As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there, everyone. This is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. Today is episode 122, and we'll be diving into an OB topic looking at the high-risk adolescent pregnancy. Before we do that, I want to see if maybe you can make extra use of this time by doing something that is also good for you or helps you get your life in order. I like to multitask. That's kind of the whole reason I started this podcast is because I wanted to listen to my notes while I went for walks, while I went for runs, while I did laundry, grocery shopped, cooked, all of that. So if you can, do something good for yourself or something that helps you get your life in balance. Maybe that pile of laundry has been staring at you for four days or you really want to organize the pantry. Well, let's do that together, okay? Perfect. All right, before we jump in, I do want to take a moment for my listener shout out to Sarah Ellie, who writes this. Nurse Mo, I am so thankful for Straight A Nursing. As I am a major preparation and organization person, I was looking at books to help me prepare for nursing school, and I found yours for my Kindle. Fast forward a few months later, and I'm connected to the podcasts. I'm getting a planner printed, and I'm almost done with the boot camp. I applied to nursing school for this next fall and will hopefully know by July. Either way, I know that I'll be ready no matter the semester I get in. I feel as ready as I can be, and that's all thanks to you and your dedication to us nursing students. I don't know where I'd be without all your resources. I know I will continue to use them throughout school and can imagine even as a new grad. Thanks for keeping things color-coded, relevant, and encouraging. Sarah, thank you so much. And by now, you've probably heard if you're starting school this semester or maybe you're waiting till next semester, please write in to um, hello at straightynursingstudent.com. I want to hear about your journey and where you are. Okay, so as I mentioned a moment ago, we're talking about high-risk adolescent pregnancy. So there are quite a few things that will put an expectant mother at risk for a high-risk or difficult pregnancy or birth. So today we're going to be looking at it from the viewpoint of that pregnant adolescent and exactly why this patient would be considered high-risk. So the very first thing that we'll look at is the mother's body weight. So if the pregnant mom weighs less than 100 pounds, and if and if we're looking at adolescents like on the younger side, then a lot of times they can be under 100 pounds. That would not be uncommon. So if the pregnant mom weighs less than 100 pounds, she's not likely to have enough optimal stores of body fat, nutrition, energy for optimal fetal development, putting the infant at risk for low birth weight. 
Secondly, teens under the age of 16 may have not yet had their final growth spurt, and those pelvic bones may not have adequate room for a normal delivery. And this is called um, cephalopelvic disproportion, where the baby's size and the mother's pelvis size are disproportionate and cannot fit through the birth canal. That's going to make for either a difficult birth or obviously the need for a cesarean section. During this time of growth in the mom, you know, adolescents are still growing. Moms need uh, a lot of calories for their own growth, teens do. And then as a mom, she needs added calories for the fetal development. And at this point, neither one of them could be getting their caloric needs met. So when we look at the very first thing, looking at the mother's weight, the mother's body stature, her size, if she's under 100 pounds, she might not have enough to even give to a baby. Um, her pelvis very likely is going to be small, making for a difficult birth or an impossible natural birth. And then also just having enough nutrition for her own growth as well as the baby is going to be a really big challenge. So when working with pregnant adolescents, it's really important to look at things that go beyond physiology. So those would be like some main physiology reasons why an adolescent teen would be at risk for a difficult pregnancy, a difficult birth, but there's a whole bunch of other factors that come into play. So we need to look at the teen's developmental stage. We need to look at socioeconomic status, high-risk behaviors, and psychosocial factors. So let's now look at the teen's developmental stage and the tasks of the teen developmentally. And when you look at those things and you understand them and you you guys learned all of these in your pediatric course, then you can help develop a plan of care that is inclusive and appropriate for that individual. So for example, a teen's developmental tasks are to gain autonomy, right? Autonomy and independence. They're working on developing their identity identity and and having a sense of achievement. Teens also need to have good role models for those things as they figure them out for themselves. So they need good role models for what healthy relationships look like, especially healthy intimate relationships, and develop comfort with their own sexuality as well. So a key factor, you know, when you look at teens, when you look at their developmental stage and their perception of challenges in their life, I guess, you you really need to understand that teens have kind of this sense of invincibility, this sense of this won't happen to me combined with a a more limited ability to see long-term consequences of their actions. So I used to work in advertising. If you've hung around me long enough, you probably realize that. Um, I talk about it every now and again. And when I worked in advertising, I did a lot of what we call social marketing, marketing for the betterment of social causes. And one of those causes was we were trying to lower the number of teen pregnancies in the state of California. And when I worked on those advertising campaigns, Our messages to teens were 
not about the long-term consequences of having a baby at a young age um, because teens aren't focusing about 10 years into the future. They're focusing on the here and the now. So the point with this is that a pregnant teen may not initially realize how drastically their life is going to change. So when you're working with these patients, with these individuals, I want you to have a lot of sympathy and a lot of understanding for that teen point of view. Okay, these moms are going to need a lot of teaching. And you can use that teen's desire to gain independence and autonomy to your advantage if you position your teaching as an opportunity for them to develop in that way. Because, you know, intrinsically, they want to gain that it's one of their developmental tasks. So if you can help them But at the same time, you're also helping them and their baby. That's going to be really effective teaching. So we talked about the birth weight of the baby potentially being low because mom's weight is low and mom may not have enough energy stores for herself, much less a baby. Well, one of the other physiologic factors that pregnant adolescents face has to do with prenatal care. A lot of teens do not receive prenatal care, sometimes not at all. Um, A lot of times this is because of a lack of health insurance. It could be a lack of transportation or access to care. Some teens don't even realize they need prenatal care. They, they're they young. They're healthy, right? They think, well, everything's fine. I'm young. I'm only 15. I don't have, you know, high blood pressure or diabetes or renal failure like those old moms. Um, just kidding. But um, the team may not think that they need prenatal care because they perceive themselves, again, as invincible, as problems aren't going to happen to me. So lots of reasons why moms don't get prenatal care. And then also studies show that, I think I read a 2018 study showed that teen mothers are 2.5 times more likely to smoke daily than their peers, and that pregnant teens just overall have higher rates of prenatal smoking. So that nicotine use puts the infant at risk for all kinds of things that we don't want, premature birth, low birth weight, lung damage, birth defects, and even sudden infant death syndrome. Um, It could also put mom and baby at risk for preterm bleeding during that pregnancy or, you know, abnormal bleeding during the pregnancy. So if mom's getting prenatal care, she's getting counseled and educated about nicotine Continues, but if she's not and she's behaving, you know, or taking a part in these high risk behaviors, then there could potentially be adverse outcomes for the child and even for her, which is another reason why adolescents are considered a high risk pregnancy group. So, looking again at that weight, you know, even if mom is an, a regular weight or an ideal body weight at the time of her pregnancy, there needs to be weight gain during pregnancy. For a mom to, you know, have a healthy baby, a healthy pregnancy, that general weight gain is 25 to 35 pounds. Well, think about a lot of the teen girls that you know. They may not want to gain any weight. They could even diet during pregnancy to avoid getting, you know, too big. So this can be so, so detrimental to the growing fetus, and it can lead to things like anemia. It can lead to premature birth as well. 
And then on the other hand, you know, we do have a childhood obesity problem in this country. So you could have a teen mom who gains too much weight or who maybe who starts out her pregnancy at a higher than ideal body weight and then gains too much weight during her pregnancy. And that puts the, the teen mom at risk for preeclampsia. And again, that cephalopelvic disproportion because that baby is growing too big for the size of her small, narrow pelvis. A 2017 study that I looked at showed that it was, it was I think, 60% or a little bit more than 60% of adolescent pregnancies involved what's called an inappropriate gestational weight gain. Either too much weight was gained or not enough weight was gained. And, and either way you look at it, both can cause problems for mom and baby. Most teens, however, fell into that not gaining enough weight category. So as I mentioned, that can lead to anemia, which is another issue that teen mothers face. You know, again, it's usually due to not getting enough adequate nutrition during pregnancy. So iron deficiency anemia increases, again, the risk of preterm birth, having a baby of low birth weight, and has even been linked to postpartum depression. I saw one study cited by the Mayo Clinic, which if you guys aren't using the Mayo Clinic website as a resource, I, you know, stop right now, stop what you're doing, go bookmark it. It is absolutely fantastic. I love going to the Mayo Clinic website when I need something like super simplified down, especially if I'm looking for patient teaching pearls of wisdom because they have already got it all super simplified for patient teaching. And so one of the things as I was looking um, about on the Mayo Clinic website about adolescent pregnancy was that they cited a study suggesting an increased risk of sudden infant death in that time period immediately prior to and after the birth in mothers who have iron deficiency anemia. So proper nutrition is absolutely crucial and another reason why that prenatal care plays such an important, important role. Another physiologic concern with pregnant teens is the prevalence of STIs among this vulnerable patient population. I looked at a study from 2015 that found that 23% of pregnant teens have some sort of sexually transmitted infection. And the most common one found was chlamydia. You guys may already know that chlamydia is the I think it is still the most common STI, so that holds true amongst the pregnant teen population. STIs, again, you guys are kind of seeing a theme here, right? Preterm birth, low birth weight. It can cause premature rupture of membranes, and all of these can have potentially poor outcomes for mom and baby. And then the other thing that I want you guys to do when you're taking care of these patients is I really want you to look at the adolescent pregnant um, mother with, you know, kind of a holistic global view. Not only does she have physiologic risk factors that we talked about and and risk for underweight and maybe some high-risk behaviors like uh, smoking or alcohol use, she also faces psychologic and sociologic risks that we cannot ignore. Um, 
These range from the teen heaven to just simply grow up too fast. And if you grow up too fast, right, you're you're neglecting those developmental tasks that you're supposed to be doing. And that can set you up for, you know, issues later on with self-esteem and, and, you know, just developmentally progressing the way that teens should. Um, There is a huge hit to the teen's self-esteem during this time because image and fitting in, as you know, are developmental tasks of the teen, right? They want to blend it. They want to, it's, you know... Adolescents are interesting. They want to find their identity, and you'll notice a lot of teens will try on a lot of different identities. But they also have this, you know, innate desire to um, fit in with their with their peers. So, being different is going to contribute to feelings of lower self esteem, perhaps um, not fitting in, feeling socially isolated. Um, A lot of adolescent teens may lack a healthy and nurturing home life and therefore view parenthood as a way to feel less lonely. I've seen this time and time again where the teen mom will have a baby because it's someone to love because they have no other people to love in their life. Maybe they don't have a good solid home life. And that's so sad to me. Just because they're not understanding like the long-term consequences. Yes, they're having a baby. Yes, they love that baby. But at what price? What, um, you know, psychosocial, socioeconomic, all those factors that come into play. So when you have a baby at this young age, you know, this teen mother, sociologically, she's got a higher risk for being economically disadvantaged. You know, she may have to leave high school and not even finish high school. She's also at pretty good high risk of having a second baby before the age of 19. The CDC states that nearly one in five births to adolescent mothers in that age range of 15 to 19 is a repeat birth, one in five. So think about what that does to the teen's education Think about what that does to their employ employment prospects. Can you get a job if you're home taking care of two small babies? It's going to be really challenging. What does that do to their economic opportunities, their housing opportunities? Can they find a place to live with two babies? So this population is really at risk for a lot of stressors, um, factors, socioeconomic Um, factors such as that, as well as high risk for early marriage and domestic violence, which are linked together, early marriage and domestic violence. And all of this together, when you look at it with that global view, that holistic view that I talked about, puts the child at risk for an unstable home environment, puts the child at risk for abuse, puts the child at risk for neglect. So This is all, you know, it's a very complicated situation for teen moms to be in. So these young mothers, again, I want you to um, approach this with just huge amounts of compassion, huge amounts of empathy and support towards these individuals. And it's very important to have a non-judgmental environment so that they can receive care in a trusted environment with someone that they can open up with. And in your working in the clinical setting, you know, a social worker would be an excellent person to have on board if you're working with an adolescent mom. So 
that was a short, sweet kind of just snapshot of why teen mothers are considered high-risk pregnancies. So there's physiologic factors to recap real quickly. There's the mother's body weight just to start could be too low to even support a fetus adequately. And then due to the, you know, the small body stature, that small pelvis, that's the cephalopelvic disproportion that can occur. And that can be pronounced if the mom gains too much weight in pregnancy and the baby gets too big. Okay. And then there's also the factor of moms not gaining enough weight in pregnancy because they don't want to get too big and they set themselves up for uh, nutritional deficiencies, low birth weight, preterm birth, anemia, which can then cause other problems. And then we look at, you know, the teen's developmental tasks not being met. They're having to grow up too fast. They face huge blows to their self-esteem. They face the risks of, uh, you know, Education disadvantages, employment disadvantages, uh, economic disadvantages, and the risk of having a repeat birth. So working with these teens, I just want you to, again, have that holistic view of all the things that they could be dealing with. Even if uh, mom is perfectly healthy, there's no issues, she's still likely going to need a lot of support and care with these psychosocial developmental stage issues. So I hope that helps give you guys kind of a brief overview of that adolescent high-risk teen. So next week, we're going to do a whole episode that is a pod quiz because you guys have been asking and asking and asking for it. So next week, join me here. We're going to do a whole pod quiz episode on signs and symptoms of electrolyte imbalances. So I'll see you back here next week. And I know some of you might have found this podcast just through searching for podcasts. So if you have not yet been to the Straight A Nursing website, I invite you to go visit. It's straightanursingstudent.com. There's tons of resources and information there as well. So I'll see you back here next week. Get ready for a pod quiz. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.